You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 69 of the Comic Book Informer podcast. We are coming to you on yet another Thursday, March 15th. As always, I'm your host, Vince, with my sidekick, Roger. What's up, buddy? I'm just impressed you got it right. That's all. Hey, I never make the same mistake two episodes in a row. In a row is what it boils down to. Yes. <laughs> got to be very specific, but I have slow standards, but they're standards. Yeah. Now, before we get into our discussion for this week, we actually have a little bit of news I wanted to cover. Uh, At the South by Southwest conference uh, this past week, Marvel announced their big digital push that they're doing called Re-Evolution. And it breaks down to basically two separate things. First of all, uh, certain big comics uh, like Avengers vs. X-Men are going to have augmented reality features that whatever. It just, to me, it personally seems like a lot of 90s gimmickry that I could really do without. But what really excited me was their announcement of the Marvel Infinite line. And this is a line of digital exclusive comics that they're bringing out. Thus far, they've only announced one. It's going to be a Avengers vs. X-Men tie-in starring Nova, which excites me. I love Nova as a character. And it's going to be digital exclusive at a price point of 99 cents. I don't know how many pages you're getting for that 99 cents, but... This is what, is what I was talking about a couple of weeks ago, that more companies need to explore digital as an extension of their brand, especially with a character like Nova that even though his previous comic I really enjoyed did not sell very well. Well, the only downside to this, and, and, and honestly, in my opinion, there's only one that I can think of right off the, the top of my head, because it is what we've been asking for. It's what everybody's been asking for. I, I'm not going to lie. I still think that a buck is still a little high, but... I'm, I'm fine with it. Um, ideally, I would even like a little less than that because, as we've said time and time again, once you've read it, it's worthless. It's a digital product, but neither here nor there. The only downside that I see is that by choosing a less than, not even AAA, but even, you know, AA character, you're taking a chance that it won't sell well anyway. In which case, then it's easy to point to and say, we tried to give you what you guys asked for. It didn't sell well. You didn't buy it. Why should we do it with the bigger titles? When it's the bigger titles, the bigger AAA characters, even AA characters, that would interest the fans enough to buy it digitally for sure. I could definitely see that. And this is just the first of three uh, infinite AVX tie-in. So we'll see what the other two are. But one thing that this really does have going for it is the talent behind it. It's written by Mark Wade, who is a superstar writer, with art by Stuart Immonen, who is one of the best artists Marvel has has in their stable. So they're definitely putting their effort into this. And Mark Wade is a really cool choice for this. A couple weeks, Mark Wade released this little video for this tiny little digital comic he'd made called Luther. And I was expecting something like this after I saw that because you could tell a lot of effort went into this where it's in concept a traditional comic, but it's made specifically for your digital devices in that the panels 
aren't full pages. The panels pop in, pop out, the text overlays. It's a lot like what we've seen in the past uh, of like digital remixes I've seen of existing comic books. I saw one time that we talked about it, a digital remix of Old Man Logan. They called it a widescreen edition, and it added a lot of cool effects to the comic without it stopping to being a comic. A lot of people have compared this concept to the motion comics that, that were real big a couple years ago and were awful. But this is something really different, and it still maintains that comic feeling, but doing something new and original with it. And see, I loved what they did with Old Man Logan. I um, I, I see it quite differently than what we get on in comic books on tablets now, which are such a... Uh, it's just such a, 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 for lack of a better term, it's boring. It's just, you know, flip page, flip page. It doesn't have the texture, the feel of an actual comic book, and yet it doesn't have the the new age tech of a tablet. Whereas the things with the old man Logan were just so fantastic. And then what we saw with this video too, it is, it's more interactive. It's more engaging for your brain. I like that. I, I really like that idea a lot. Yeah, this is one big misstep that Marvel made, though. They were talking about this, and Mark Wade talks about this very well, but they couldn't show it. They didn't have anything to actually show everybody. So for anybody who hadn't seen this obscure little Luther video, they didn't know how to fit the concept of it into their heads. I, I think Marv, if Marvel had had something to show the fans and the press, this would have gone over a lot better than it actually did. Okay, then. <laughs> We're going to move on to our discussion <laughs> for this more you week. wanted. <laughs> I thought we'd covered and, it. <laughs> and this week we're talking about Circle of Four. Uh, I'm actually talking about a current comic this week, believe it or not. And Circle of Four was originally intended to be a crossover between Venom, Hulk, X-23, and Ghost Rider. However, two of those comics were just recently canceled, so they kind of had to uh, rework the publishing schedule. Instead, it came out uh, in the five Wednesdays of February, starting in Venom 13, running through Venom 13.1, Stupid. Absolute and stupidity. Finishing in Venom 14. I, at and, what point did the point ones change from being the starting on point, quote-unquote, to the mini arc story arc point now so that if you're doing a, a, a mini story arc that it's going to run within the points i God, got that stupid I really got oh, <laughs> there's no there's no defending this one and what's really cool is circle of four was envisioned as kind of an homage to an old 90s storyline back in 1990 uh the fantastic four had been thought dead so an alien uh, a scroll posing as Sue Storm recruited a new Fantastic Four uh, to go serve her own means. And it consisted of Spider-Man, Wolverine, the regular Hulk, who was uh, in his gray form at the time, and the second Ghost Rider, Danny Ketch, Johnny Blaze's brother. So this is really an homage to this, where you're getting different versions of those same four characters. Instead of Spider-Man, you've got Venom. Instead of Hulk, you've got Red Hulk. Instead of Wolverine, you've got X-23. And you've also got the newest Ghost Rider, Alejandra. I thought that was a really cool way of approaching this little crossover. Actually, I didn't even know about that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a cool cover, too. Go check that cover out. You got the yes. four of them in like kind of pseudo Fantastic Four uniforms. Awesome stuff. So in the tradition of all great comics crossovers, they just kind of come together by accident almost. Uh, Venom is hanging out in Las Vegas on the run. He's gone AWOL from Project Rebirth after having to do some not so nice things for the crime master over in his series. 
Captain America sends Red Hulk to go track him down. X-23 happens to be there because she's found somebody has stolen some of her blood and is using her DNA in experiments. And Ghost Rider, well, where else are you going to find Ghost Rider than in the City of Sin? I, we talk so often about great storylines in comics, and this was good. It's not, you know, fantastic, oh my god, the greatest thing ever. But this had such a sense of fun to it on top of being good character development for everybody. I don't think that it was haphazard how they came together. I mean, no, no, I'm not saying haphazard, but we've seen so many comics crossovers where it's just in the it's the way it works. They just kind of end up in this big thing that they hadn't planned together. Well, the way I see it, it was planned just by the villain in this case, this other son of Satan, <laughs> and and so he needed all of them for all the things that he was doing, kind of thing. Mm. Um, I, I thought it was really good, and I liked that they took these characters that some people have given up on, um, and some people working for Marvel have given up on, <laughs> and showed us that you can do something phenomenal with them as well. And I liked that it is a larger-than-life story. And like you said, too, it's not like this is going to make you think for days on end and things like that. And there are a few moments that are definitely grown worthy because they're a little cheesy, especially the end. But it's still fun and it's still a good story throughout. And the characters are done very well in terms of the writing and their interactions are very good because they're each very different types of people as well. And what I like is that, again, you have this larger-than-life story with a large cast. This isn't just a, you know, when Spider-Man has a person join him in an episode or whatever. Um, this is, you know, four people coming together, which does make a difference. It's more of that team mentality versus just a sidekick kind of thing. And it is big, and it's these characters that a lot of people aren't either as aware of them or maybe even don't even like them. But you read this and you really, you feel for them. You start to have very strong opinions about them. And I just thought it was really great having these guys and not the triple A title guys for this, just these, you know, underdogs that you're cheering for. And that's what it has to be to cheer for the underdog versus the devil. And I think a lot of that has to do with the way they approached it. Uh, for many big storylines, what, what all, you get one writer just kind of grabbing control of everything. This one you actually had the comics were written by Rick Remender, Rob Williams, and Jeff Parker, which are the current writers for Venom, Ghost Rider, and Hulk. And uh, Marjorie Liu wasn't fully involved in this one. Uh, she had other uh, – things to attend to at the time she's uh, taking over astonishing x-men so i think having all of the writers involved with the characters and the ones that know them the best actually coming together to collaborate on the story really led to that you know what i like too and i don't know if it's true of all of them but i know that they use the artist who does a lot of the work on x23 mm -hmm. as well i don't know if they use the same artist who does work who do work on the other series i uh, I recognize the names, but I know it's not like it's not the primary artist from Hulk. That would be Gabriel Hardman. Uh, I'm not sure off the top of my head who was the primary artist for Ghost Rider. Yeah, but yeah, we have we have Tony Moore in here who's done a lot of Venom, and uh, Sana Takeda was the one from X23, right? Yeah, and it's just one of those like you recognize it, and then that was um, there was a lot of spotlighting on X23 in that episode, and it was just that that moment of even though you're reading another series, um, it's a Venom series, it's still kind of that moment of. 
you relate to it more if you were reading X-23 because that, that art style is so very unique kind of thing. I really, really like that a lot. I thought it was a very good idea for them to go with, instead of keeping the uh, Venom artist strictly for all of them, bring in the other artists who also did work on those characters. Mm-hmm. So in the story, uh, the big villain is Blackheart, uh, Mephisto's son. And this was actually a big surprise for me because I, as many comics as I read, I haven't seen Blackheart in like 15 years. I had almost forgotten about him. (laughs) So when he popped up as the villain, I was like, wow, cool, Blackheart, awesome. Can't wait to see what happens here. And at least early on in the story, we have the four heroes working separately they're they're all they all have four different objectives and it doesn't work out for them uh, blackheart has this mirror summons their uh, opposites which were I lo- i'm sorry i love the x23 cheerleader yeah, I that thought was you hilarious were that, yes. <laughs> and as they're going through this they actually all flat out get killed <laughs> like, not oh you did no Flash gets his neck snapped they're not messing around here although before that happens uh Blackheart manages to trick Alejandra into uh, undoing the ward that's surrounding Las Vegas and spread hell all throughout because Alejandra is going through some weird stuff right now. She's got a lot of uh, guilt that she's carrying in her brief amount of time as the Ghost Rider. She's still understanding her powers and has made some really bad decisions that have led to uh, some innocent deaths. So she's really messed up right now and Blackheart just really preys upon that. And they end up literally in hell. And I loved how they handled this part because it started off with all of them having living out their greatest dreams. Flash actually got to become Spider-Man. Uh, you know, Hulk's family is together, all fighting together. X-23 gets some closure to to her her personal journey. And Alejandra just has a family period. So it, it started off with everybody having their greatest wishes fulfilled and then just the soul-crushing way they went about ruining all of them. That that was really well executed. Yeah. I obviously especially love the Flash one <laughs> because he gets to be Spider-Man. It's like, oh, that's just too, too, it's too cute is what it is. But it's like, it doesn't fit when you're reading this type of story or whatnot, but you're going, oh, good for you, Flash. Way to go. <laughs> but in order to get out, they meet Mephisto, who is a very interesting father for Blackheart. <laughs> he takes just as much fun out of tormenting his own son as he does everybody else. So he makes a deal with the heroes asking them that he will return them to life in exchange for a favor at a later date. And they go back, they learn to work together. And I got to say the last page of 13.4 is quite possibly one of the coolest pages I've ever seen where the heroes do finally work together, but in a way I could not have expected. (laughs) Oh, right. Okay. I was trying to remember what you were talking about. Yes. Yes. Pretty damn cool. I want that action figure. Yeah, that would be awesome. On the bike, though, it has to be on the bike. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I'm not going to go into detail because that's something that has to be seen to be believed, honestly. I tried telling my friend about it, and he's like, what? So I was like, hold on a minute. I pulled up a picture. I was like, that. He's like, whoa. (laughs) need a poster of that. Screensaver, at least. (laughs) So they work together. They finally come together, defeat Blackheart. And, hey, they, they all learned something from the experience. Well, maybe not so much Alejandra, who just rides off. I swear she was flipping them off. I mean, the, the art was just her, like, holding her fist up, cheering, but I swear she was flipping them off. <laughs> and then it all ends up with Doctor Strange seeing all of them still having this symbol on their chests that nobody else can see. That, no, you know, it they've wasn't. been touched. No, it wasn't oh, him. It, it was, was Damon, uh, wasn't Damon, it? Yeah. 
Yeah, Damon Hellstrom. And they've all been touched by Mephisto, and that really makes me excited that they're setting the seeds, sowing the seeds for something else coming from these four. It was just a, it was a very good image too. And I I like how he, he talks about it too. It's like, that's nothing, a problem for another day. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It was a a really, really nice caption or panel. I I like that a lot, actually. It's just, this was such a fun little, uh, you know, crossover. It's, I hate that that they decided to cancel X-23 and Ghost Rider before this came out because you can't tell me this would not have increased readership in those two comics. And it's not like they, they canceled them before this either. X-23's last issue comes out came out yesterday and Ghost Rider's is like a week or two from now. So they had an opportunity to at least test the waters knowing that this crossover was coming up and, and – giving it no chance, having no faith in their writers and their characters. It really bothers me because this was so much fun. I would have liked to have seen the individual stories carrying through because we see big changes in Venom. Uh, Hulk has some changes as well. I-, I would have liked to have seen how the future of X-23 and Ghost Rider plays out, but now we can't. See, I found um, X-23 was way different in this as well than what she normally has been um part of that is of course too because of everything that had been going on in her series where they they changed things so that there were there was more interactions with her and other people like with the ff and things like that and the kids um than her solitary pursuit beforehand to find out if she has a soul essentially is what it breaks down to kind of thing and i liked that it was a progression in character for her and and the only thing that i keep thinking about is that they they canceled the series before really giving that a shot. I mean, we're seeing that they're doing just this type of thing with Spider-Man, with Avenging Spider-Man, where it's just going to be various stories with different people in each of those story arcs. And I think that had they done something like that with X-23, where throughout her journeys, she's teaming up with various peoples, and then you're getting to see how she grows and learns and things like that from those Um I think you had the opportunity for a fantastic series. And then when you look at Ghost Rider, while I wasn't as crazy where they were going with her, because I just am not digging that character as much. I liked the concept initially that mm-hmm. it seemed like perhaps there would be multiple Ghost Riders. Um, if if one doesn't work out, essentially, kind of thing, or something happens, bounce to somebody else. And I like that idea that had they pushed it and maybe had a think tank working on it saying, well, what can we do to make this fresh and original and something else? Have the ghostwriter changing periodically and see how it affects the people, see if any of those stick in terms of readership and things like that. Like there were things that could have been done, but it would have required. Well, when when they announce that your comic has been canceled after only three issues have been published, your hands are kind of tied as to what you could do with the story after that. Well, from that, yeah. But it just, this was just a lot of fun, and like I said, I'm really excited for maybe next year seeing seeing what they do with these four again, and you know, bringing them back together after their various adventures. You know, Venom still has his solo series; he's now showing up in Secret Avengers. Hulk is always active everywhere. Uh, X23, she's been showing up in Avengers Academy, so at least she's going to get some development over the intervening time. And Ghost Rider, I honestly don't know. I'm hoping maybe she gets picked up in Defenders or, or something else, something that we can see this character again before for the next circle of four. So wrapping up there, we're moving into what we're reading. I actually have a couple interesting ones this week. First of all is Justice League. Uh, I finally read Justice League number six, and I have very mixed feelings on this 
this new Justice League relaunch. It was certainly entertaining. <laughs> I haven't read I, it yet. I can't say it was good, but it was entertaining. It was just <laughs> it was just big big action, and that's okay. Like you know, not everything has to be amazing. I just feel they made a huge misstep in bringing Darkseid in this early in the story. I, I realized they wanted to make it a big deal, big relaunch, et cetera, et cetera. But Darkseid showed up at the end of I think issue four, and then by issue six he's defeated that's not dark side for me. Like I think it would have been served much better to, you know, give them a lesser enemy to fight right out of the gates show at the very end, you know, Oh, dark side was the mastermind behind it and build on that actually give something for this to build on instead of, Oh, here's the strongest villain in the universe. And we beat him in an issue and a half that just really didn't work for me, especially with them being, you know, this early in their careers and they smacked down dark side. I didn't really like that. And it, it kind of sets it up as, okay, after that, what can be another threat? <laughs> so I, I just think they really jumped the gun with Darkseid. Uh, by the end of the issue, it was kind of kind of goofy. I mean, they had to throw out a Super Friends joke. I was like, Ugh, okay, fine. And then they had a little epilogue with uh, Pandora, the, 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 the chick in the, in the hood from the Flashpoint. And the one that's been in, in the backgrounds of the new 52 yeah, yeah. setting it up as something is happening with, with the universe being aligned. Like they said, at the end of flashpoint, they were setting it up for something in the future. And all I got out of it was, Oh my God, they're going to screw with the continuity again in a few months. <laughs> they, they, they just set up this whole new universe and they're already giving themselves an out to start tinkering with things again. And it just, it kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. In case anybody missed it before he started talking about it. Spoiler alert, people, spoilers. Because oh, we didn't on. all know. When did this come out? Like three weeks ago. No Two way. Two weeks ago. No, not the year. It, came out, it came out the last week of February, so two weeks ago. Not last week, the week before. Yeah. That's fair game for you now, eh? Without even providing a Listen, spoiler it, warning. Not even if, say, in case you haven't read this, cover your ears. If I felt Don't. it was something drastically important uh, of a development, I probably would have, but... I said I, it was okay. <laughs> Spoiler alert, people, spoilers. You just want to hit buttons, don't you? I like it. <laughs> I paid for and... the th damn thing. I may as well use it. <laughs> and I'm actually kind of glad we got a Thursday episode this week because I don't know if I could have gone an entire week without at least mentioning Saga. Brian K. Vaughn is one of, if not the best comic writers of this generation. Just throwing that out there. Uh, Ex Machina mind-blowing why the last man fantastic and we finally got his long-awaited new series saga and i don't want to say too much about it because it's just great go read it My uh, the on first the button <laughs> the first issue is just a lot of character introduction and world building but my God, the world he built in 40 pages and introducing these two characters i literally cannot wait to see what more he does with this because he he's just a I love everything he's ever written <laughs> bit of a fanboy moment sorry but he in one well technically two issues it was double sized just set up this whole fantasy sci-fi universe in this short amount of time I can't wait to see what he does with it I'm gonna have to pick that up definitely I, I, I had, yeah definitely 
So uh, did you actually manage to read anything? You know what, dude? I actually did. Wow. I'm feeling a little bit better. Not much, but a little bit. Um, Plus, you know when you have a cold and it's a flu cold, whatever, and you're just achy everywhere and you just want to kind of lay down and read? Well, that's what I was doing. Um, So I read Uncanny X-Men number eight, um, which is kind of like, once again, the art is so... Mm-hmm. weird and it's like scott why are you smiling and <laughs> because that's the only face greg land knows how to draw for cyclops and and it's true like the very very first panel you look at it and cyclops looks like such a doofus and you're going like oh boy um and this whole namor making out with sea urchin <laughs> it's just freaking it's yeah at least it's it, they made namor not quite as I don't want to say it because then I'll have to find my bleep button. <laughs> <laughs> He's but less like Namor. <laughs> basically, yeah. Uh, it wasn't a phenomenal issue, but but it was still better than the ultimate X-Men number eight, which was just a mess. Yeah. Just an absolute... I, the I art was... I was, was a, to like it, too, when they were when they were focusing on yeah. Rogue and her little group, and then they, they switched rails to back to the other group, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is why I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the art is absolutely insanely cool. And then, who's this? Uh, Barberi and Walden Wong and Juan Velasco. I love that. Um, but, yeah, no, the, the art is just incredible, and it, like, pops off the screen and uh but the story was just i i <laughs> i don't want to say not good but I, part of me really wants to say not good i really wasn't digging it at all yeah. um did you read it you read it yes yes yeah. i read it okay yeah i was not terribly impressed then i read um ultimate spider-man number eight as well which i'm still digging miles although you're really not getting that that much of him in this issue kind of thing but it's still him kind of getting used to being spider-man um but then the interaction with the uncle and all that yeah that was i think it's too early for that i think it's too early for there to be yet somebody else who knows and somebody who is not really there's going to be that confusion if he's good or bad or sporting him or whatever I don't know. Call me crazy. I thought it was a little early to be introducing that kind of thing in there because it's the equivalent, say, of Mary Jane knowing about Peter. I can agree with that, but I still liked it. <laughs> really? See, I didn't at all. I. Yeah. But then I'm not crazy about the uncle character either because I don't know. I just am not crazy about the way he's written and that swarmy kind of exterior. Eh, wasn't digging it too much. I think that they would have done better to go with. Um, just Miles and his little sidekick buddy there and get him introduced into the other superheroes like they'd started doing kind of thing. I think it would have gone much better to continue doing that. They need to get Genki a costume. Yeah, that would have been (laughs) awesome. And then, staying on with Spider-Man, of course, I actually got caught up with Amazing Spider-Man, which, dude... (laughs) I told you. If it wasn't for X-Force... And and even then, right now, that's that's open to debate. By far, best there is right now at Marvel. <laughs> it's insane how awesome this is. Like I I read the uh, the story arc that was in uh, six seventy eight and six seventy nine here. Mm-hmm. Um, fantastic stuff. The 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 thing with the 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 door to the future and how he writes 
other people too. Like this other guy from the um, Horizon Labs. What's his name again? I'm going to find it. Uh, Grady. Grady Scraps. Um, just this fun kind of, you know this is going to be an adventure. You know the moment Parker sets foot through that door. You don't even need to see what he's going to see. You know something bad's waiting for you on the other side. And it's just this fun, insanely, just neurotic, crazy story that, like, for two issues, again, like you'd said, too, you you can pick up, you can tell people, okay, pick up 678, 679. That's it. Just if you want to see what the writing's like now. You won't have to worry about back lore. You're not going to have to worry about who's who kind of thing because it's still explained within reason as you're going along. And it's just damn fun. Mm-hmm. And then I read... Um, 679.1, which again, stupid points, but it was, um, again, that's where they're dealing more with uh, Morbius. Morbius, yeah. Yeah. Um, That one I wasn't as crazy about, but it was still quite good. And I like Watu really made that one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, And we've seen him do that often where you can see that it's one of those, um, and it's, it's, it's like it's aimed at me because I told him, you better continue just writing Spider-Man because you do such a good job. And then he'll pull something like this off and say, ha I can write from anybody's perspective and you'll love it. And it's true, of course. Um, 680, though, <laughs> the galaxy's greatest superhero <laughs> was just... Again, at 680 and 81, that's where he's in space to save um, um, J. No, J. Jonah Jameson's son in space. It, with with Storm. And it's like, oh, dude. I was, told you, that was so good. <laughs> it's just such a fantastic little, again, it's not little. I mean, this is freaking grand in scope. And the, the back and forth between them is great. The, the little glimpses of how... Johnny's changed because of while mm-hmm. well, dying um, are really cool. Um, and then everybody else that's involved, everyone from freaking Horizon Labs to again, J. Jonah again. Um, it's just a fantastic story. It's just really well written. It's just, and then you look at the end and it's like, oh, dude, no, I can't wait to see what happens in the next one. <laughs> I can't believe after all that, they actually pulled a Xanatos gambit out of Dr. Octopus. <laughs> <laughs> But that that little storyline, there's just one thing that just keeps jumping to the forefront of my mind. When Johnny's sitting on the couch eating his cereal or whatever, he's like, man, I got a year's worth of TV to catch up on. He's like, so-and-so won American Idol. This and that happened. And they're still on Herschel's Herschel's farm. farm. Yeah. (laughs) I died. I was like, that's it. You win. Yeah. Comic of the year. (laughs) And that's it for me. All right. Well, lots lots of fun stuff out right now. So uh, getting into yesterday's new releases, uh, on the Marvel side, we have Avengers number 24, Avengers Assemble number one, which is kind of interesting. It's a Avengers title starring the movie cast, but set in the regular Marvel universe. Uh, interesting. I don't know. Uh, we at least it's something. It, yeah, but at least it's something for people who only know the movie. It's something they can pick up and be integrated into the actual Marvel comics. So I, I can understand the thinking there. It's a lot better than coming up with something out of the blue to rearrange the Avengers lineup to suddenly match the movie. So I think that's the better option, at least for me. Well, uh, we again, have... though, it's it's one of those where they're they're canceling series and yet they're going to give us another 
Avengers series. People buy it. I mean, <laughs> we can complain all we want, yeah, but no. if people are buying the Avengers and not buying X-23, it's kind of hard to justify. So yeah. stupid. Yeah. Captain America, number nine. Carnage USA, number four. Fantastic Four, number 604, which was awesome. Incredible Hulk, number six. Journey into Mystery, 635. Powers, number five. Bendis uh, finally nine. getting those back out. Nine. nine. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Punisher, number nine. Scarlet Spider, number three. Ultimate X-Men, number nine, which we were just talking about. That That's kind of on its last leg there for me. <laughs> Wolverine and the X-Men, number seven. The final issue of X-23, number 21. Uh, X-Men Legacy, number 263. And the hardcover release of X-Men Season 1, which uh, we talked about, uh, I mentioned a little while back, they had the Fantastic Four Season 1. It's kind of just retelling the uh, the old origin stories uh, in a new format. I actually didn't have a chance to read the Fantastic Four one yet. Interesting to see how those play out. On DC, I got Batman and Robin and Demon Knights number 7. At that's it, that's and even that's kind of pushing it. <laughs> uh, everybody else, we've got from Dark Horse Comics, issue four of The Strain. From IDW, Transformers, More Than Meets the Eye, number three. And from Image, like I said, Saga, number one, and Thief of Thieves, number two. I got to pick up that first Thief of uh, Thieves. It, it was cool. I liked it. Yeah. All right, and that's going to wrap us up here for issue 69 of Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us on comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CBinformer. Email us, Vince or Roger, at comicbookinformer.com, and we'll see everybody next week. <laughs>